Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International. And welcome to another episode of Retire in Thailand. Today's episode is sparked and suggested uh, by a friend of mine. And he's a very, very near and dear friend. He lives in California. And, uh, and he loves to listen to my podcast, and he bounces ideas. He's like, hey, Will, you know what? Just a suggestion as a future expat. And he's uh, not just a friend, but also a client or future client. He's going to be moving here to Thailand. He said, well, I think it'll really help the listeners if you talk about more problems of what expats go through. So during the process and then obviously getting to the country. And I'm going to start doing that more often. And, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the hurdles that I went through when I first initially went through this process. And I would say this is the number one problem that every single expat leaving a English-speaking country will face, which is the challenges with housing. Specifically, the challenges in buying a house that they actually will want to live there forever. You know, the problem is, is the real estate industry pumps out some real knuckleheads. We all know this. I've been in real estate for nearly two decades. And uh, even prior to prior of having my real estate license in the States, I sold my very first home. I was 14, 15 years old. I was a freshman in high school. And I sold my parents' home by owner. That was the very first sale I ever did. And my dad gave me like a whopping, I think like 100 bucks or something like that. And I was happy back then. Um, but uh, real estate ha- is has always been a part of our family for many, many generations. We're all real estate investors, both on my dad's side and also on my mom's side. On my mom's side, on the Taiwanese side, I actually have a cousin uh, that passed away uh, a couple years ago that amassed an empire in in Taiwan, in Taipei, Taiwan, of close to $30 million. Uh, So real estate is very close. I know it well. And when it comes to international real estate, and expats havens, I would call myself to be an expert. So the biggest challenge that you have when you're finding a home, and it's anywhere, anywhere in the country. So I'm going to talk about something that you're all familiar with. So I'm going to dig up some frustrations in the past when you went through the home shopping process. So again, how do you get, let's take the United States for an example. How do you get a real estate license? You don't need a college degree. Basically, it's any person off the streets, as long as you're 18 years old, you take an accredited class uh, for like about between two weeks or, or a month, depending on how fast you get through the process. You pass the in-house exam. Then you go and take the state exam and a federal exam. There's two exams. And you have to pass, I think, within like 72% or 75%. Then bam, get your license. You can have no sales experience prior no sort of formal training on ethics, working with clients, understanding your clients, interviewing your clients, finding what their needs are, taking your emotions out of the equation. It's not about what you want. It's about what the client wants. I'm going to tell you uh, one of my biggest frustrations with working with any realtor broker. So I was in Huntington Beach, California. I was my very early 20s, and 
At that time, I was working in the business banking group for Wells Fargo Bank, and I was the I was ranked number two in the country uh, for uh, for sales. Uh, so I was up there in the top. So I was making great money. And we all know how expensive Orange County is. And there's a building that I've always wanted to live in. I passed by it all the time, going to the gym. I lived in Huntington Beach too, rented a house with a very good friend of mine. And I worked at a, I worked at a 24-hour fitness right down downtown Main Street. And I always passed by this building called Pier Colony. That's right across the street from the pier. And it sits on Main Street and 2nd Street. Uh, in between Main Street and 2nd Street, right on PCH. And I'm like, I'm going to live there. Every day, I would drive. This is before Zillow and all that stuff. Remember that? Way back in, you know, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm approaching 50 years old, so that's how old I am. So, you know, I didn't have access to MLS because I didn't have my real estate license. I was working for Wells Fargo, so I let it lapse. Didn't need one. Uh, so we didn't have Zillow or, or Truly or anything like that. So you have to drive around and look for signs. So every time I was going to the gym, I would drive by the front entrance of Pier Colony and then there'd be four sale signs. And I always tell myself, I'm going to buy something there. I'm going to buy something there. So I finally did. I finally bought a, it was a two-story loft, one-bedroom loft with a peekaboo ocean view. And, but before I bought that, actually, no, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. I bought that. I actually went, I was walking uh, out of the gym one day and right around the corner is, I'm not going to say the name of the, of the realty, uh, but it's a local realty. Walked in there. This older gentleman helped me. He's probably, he, at the time, I think he was in his 60s. And, uh, and, I, and I told him, I said, I'm interested in Pier Colony. No, no, actually, you know what? I'm sorry, such a long time ago. My brain is lapsing. It's probably showing my age. I called the number. It was a one-bedroom one bath, loft for sale. I called the number, the listing agent. And he said, come down. I said, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm right around the corner from your gym. So I went in there, showed it to me, bought it. Okay. I, I'm sorry for the confusion, but it's such a long time ago. I'm talking decades and decades ago that uh, I'm all, it's, all trying to, it's all coming back to me now. So here's my frustration. Here's my frustration. A lot of you probably went through it. So now my home, my condo that I paid two hundred twenty-five thousand has now appreciated like literally a hundred thousand dollars, like in six months. I mean, at that time, Orange County it's just going like gangbusters. The appreciation is just going crazy. I remember I bought this home, uh, and literally I sold it like two months later, making like it was like I don't know, like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So I had a lot of equity, and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to get a larger home. I want to get a larger home and I'll just rent this place because it's in downtown Main Street. It'll rent out really easily. So I went back, like all of us. We go back to the same agent or go back to the same broker. And I said, hey, Steve, I'm actually thinking about upgrading. I want to get a larger home because my parents come to visit me a lot. My brother lives with me too from time to time. So I want a much bigger place, but I don't think I'm going to be able to afford a two or three bedroom pier colony because it's just out of my price range. And, um, and I said, you know, let's, let's go look at some homes. And so we, he started showing me some houses. And then I remember one time we drove by. So there was, there was this 
single-family detached home development right there on Beach Boulevard, roughly almost exactly a mile to the beach. So it's Beach Boulevard and PCH. If you're going, driving down Beach Boulevard towards PCH, is a brand new development on the left-hand side, a gated community with these two-story large homes that were like three, starting at 3,500, 4,000 square feet. I remember we drove right by there. I said, Steve, how about there? How about there? Those looks like the homes I want. There's, those are big. He's like, no, you don't want those. I'm like, why not? He's like, oh, no, you don't want those. So, so I, I trusted in him. I said, here's my realtor. I'm going to trust him. He sold me a house. He sold me his condo before. I was happy. Uh, you know, he wasn't too aggressive uh, in the sense that I wasn't really too happy because I wanted him to be more aggressive and, and, and basically getting negotiating a better price. But he was just kind of weak at that, at that point. But I went back to him. I said, Steve, I'm interested in that. Everybody knows that's a great salesperson. You do what your client tells you. You go show, show them the, the property. But he didn't want to show it to me. He's like, no, I'm, let me show you something else. So I eventually uh, bought a bigger, I bought a two-bedroom, two-bath condo uh, that was about a half a mile from the beach. I just bought another townhome or another condo. So I remember one day, I was talking to a friend of mine in Huntington Beach. I was a firefighter. And I went to visit him. Lo and behold, it was that development. He lived in that development. So I drove in there. I'm like, wow, this place is nice. He's like, yeah, there's actually a lot of firefighters that live in this community. And I'm like, how many square feet is it? He's like, that's oh, like 35. But some of them are like over 4,000 square feet. I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. And at that time, I, I paid a half a million dollars for my two-bedroom, two-bath condo. That was my price point, about a half a million dollars. And I said, so what'd you pay for this? He's like, oh, it was a half a million dollars. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, we, we got in phase one. And, uh, you know, he's like, now they're probably worth like 800,000. They'll be, they'll be easily over a million very soon. I was so freaking pissed off. I was, I was livid. Obviously, I never, I never went back to that agent. I never even went back to that, uh, to that uh, brokerage. I was livid. And you know why he didn't want to show it to me? It's because that developer was paying an extremely low commission. I think he was only paying maybe one and a half or 2% instead of the 3%. Because of the low paid commission, how many of you have actually found that out later that the reason why your agent didn't show you a home is because they were paying a low commission. Probably none of you even know that. But that's what a lot of agents do. And it's extremely unethical. Extremely unethical. And it just pisses me off to the core. Because I would never do that to a client. I've never done that to a client. No one on my team ever does that to a client. And then it happened to me again in Thailand. So here I am in Thailand. <clears throat> Meet with an American realtor out of Phoenix. Made Thailand his home. Went to a name brand realty. And instead of asking me what I really wanted, what I really wanted, he just automatically figured I'm an expat. I want to be around other expats. So he really showed me uh, this one area. And uh, 
obviously I, I bought the condo, you know, it, it was, it was a, it was a decent, it's a very, it's a brand new condo. I bought it and I lived in it. And within the first year of knowing Bangkok better, I'm like that, that dude just, he sold me what I didn't want. Not, not that I wasn't happy, but I could have been happier in other parts of Bangkok that I really love paying the same exact price. I, I eventually sold that condo and I did pick up something else that I really wanted. And do you know why he didn't want to show me the other condos? Because they were paying smaller commissions. Because brand name developers in Thailand really only pay 1% commission. Sometimes even only a half a percent in Bangkok. At the most, one and a half percent from the big boys. And that's why. Instead, he, uh, he referred me and showed me developers that were more, more mid-market, smaller developers paying a higher commission. That is the number one problem that you are going to face. Wherever you go around the world is working with bad agents. And there are so many more bad agents than are good agents. I would say there are probably only about, out of every hundred, there's probably only a handful of good agents. The rest have no experience. They, only, they are only driven by their own listings. They will lie to you. They're only driven by high commissions. And they will lie to you. And they're only driven by basically their own personal emotions of what they like. But when you're a seasoned salesperson, like I am, I've been in sales for two decades, and I also teach sales professionally to other professional salespeople, you understand over experience that the customer, you have to interview the customer. You have to ask them questions. You have to take out your emotions. And that's a problem you're going to have. And here's a sad thing too. So if you think agents are bad in the UK, in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, United States, they are exponentially worse in second world countries. Latin America, Asia, Europe. You're dealing with an English speaking agent because obviously that's the only language you can communicate in, they're exponentially worse because they're only driven by own personal self-greed. Highest commission and their own listings. That's it. That's it. They will lie to you. Well, you know what? Uh, I kind of like this, but I really want this. No, there's no such thing. That's not going to happen. Oh, it's not? No, it's not. It, there's, they don't make that here. You won't see it here. Or you, or they say... You ask them, and this happened to a, another friend of mine that I actually bought in, uh, in Latin America. He told the agent, he's like, okay, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to pay cash for this condo. I want you to negotiate at this price. I won't pay more than this price. The agent comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, they won't do it. Later, I found, late, later he found out the agent never even uh, submitted the offer. Why? Because he was only getting a 1% commission. 
So he wanted to max out his commission as possible. So he didn't want to negotiate the price any lower. Personal, so personal greed. One of the great things about the United States, it is illegal for an agent not to present an offer to a buyer. Or to an owner, should I say, to a seller. If you are a buyer, and let's just say that home is $300,000, but you want to offer $100,000 for it, by law, that agent has to present that offer. But in second world countries, nope. They don't have to do anything. They just tell you, oh yeah, no, no, the owners aren't interested. That's the problem, you know, that's the problem it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And then you're going to be, you're going to live in a place you don't want because you're going to get to know the place, the areas even more. And you're going to realize, oh, God, this is not what I wanted. But that is the difference between how we do business and how we differentiate ourselves from everyone else is because of our experience level in understanding clients, working with clients, fulfilling their needs. We're not driven by the commission because our fees are different. We work by charging the client. We don't take a commission. Instead, if a commission is to be paid, we ask them to take that off the sales price. And the reason why we work that way is because my agents, my team, are always going to be paid a set amount by the buyer. So that also motivates them to ensure that they are finding the property, the exact property, the exact dream home that that buyer wants. And here's the other thing too, is also by not taking the commission, it's almost a wash because when we're negotiating with the seller, we're able to negotiate, we're to say, we're, just, we're representing a buyer, but we're not taking a commission. We're able to actually negotiate even more. So it's actually a wash. That's, that's why you know, we have such a unique model. And that's why we are successful. That's why you'll not find not a single negative thing. You can Google Compass. You can Google Roadhouse International. Google my name. You will not find one negative thing on the internet about myself or my company. The only weird thing you'll find that you'll find is the stuff from House Hunters. Is Will Roadhouse really from Fiji? No, I'm not. I'm obviously not from Fiji. You know, I don't know why that, that came up a lot. I, would, I Google myself once a month to make sure there isn't any kind of negative stuff out there, which you should too, and uh, you will never find. You can go deep, deep into the pages, 20 pages deep into Google. You will not find one negative thing. And I've been in business since 2002. Not one negative thing. It's because we do things different. We do things that's in line with being ethical. We do business that's in line with what the client wants. It's client priority. So that's why it's important that when you're out there, yeah, you don't have to come to us. Go some, if, you don't want, if you don't want to use us, fine. But when you go to a broker, you have to really, really be careful and really do your homework and really know the area to ensure that that broker is giving you the correct information. They're not just trying to pawn off their own listings. They're not just showing you developments that pay the highest commission. 
because you'll find that a lot. You'll find that a lot in second world countries, Latin America and Asia, <laughs> and Southern Europe. It's a serious problem. So I would say that this, and, and I will have more of these type of podcasts to talk about problems and solutions, but this is the number one problem. And the solution is to do your homework. You can't be lazy about it. You know, uh, so many people love to re- rely on the expertise of others. I am the same, but the thing is, is that I'm also a researcher. So is my wife. Yeah, we're going to go to the source where we feel that they're known as the experts, but we're going to make sure we do our research to make sure they are the experts. You know, I, I don't want to go to an agent that is just telling me everything I want to hear that's not true. Later, I find out it's not true. So you have to do your research. And how do you do your research? Number one, the internet. The internet is a wonderful tool, but then again, you can't rely everything that the internet is telling you. So you have to be able to distinguish what's truthful and what's not truthful. And real estate is the same. Do your research. Get to know the area. Watch videos on YouTube. And then when you come into the country, if you're not ready to buy sight unseen, and you come to the country, spend some time. An agent, a great agent, is always going to go through a lengthy interviewing process to understand who you are. What are your needs? What's your lifestyle like? What do your family want? How long do you plan to stay here? Do you plan to travel a lot? Do you plan to have guests? You know, where do you see yourself five years from now, 10 years from now? Is this place going to be too small? Or is it going to be too big? What's your budget like? They're always going to ask you questions so they can find solutions. And that's what we do. You ask as many questions to make sure that you're finding the right thing for the client because it's all about the client. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the, it's about the buyer. And the same goes with the seller if someone's listening. But the main thing is don't trust everything people tell you. If your gut tells you something's wrong, eh, most likely it is. Most likely it is. So I hope this podcast was helpful. And next time, I'm going to talk about some other things um, that are challenges that expats go through. And again, I'm using my own personal experience. And that's one of the reasons why you listen. is because I don't want you to repeat the same mistakes that I did. And man, have I learned it the hard way. I have definitely learned some things the hard way. So I do not want you to make the same mistakes. You know, for example, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was talking to multiple friends about this. I said, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make about Thailand is they buy flood zones and they don't know it's flood zones because the agent won't tell them. Thailand, like any place in the world, they have floods, but it's not everywhere. It's specific areas. And the main thing you want to make sure is you're not in an area where your condo or your home floods. Because real estate is the largest investment you will ever make in your lifetime. And you don't want the investment to be flood damaged or washed away. Or worse yet, you know, be the death of you. And a lot of people don't realize that. They just buy property by name. 
oh yeah, I go to Phuket because it's gorgeous there. Well, no, hold on. Why do you think that? Let me ask you some questions. What is your lifestyle like? What have you heard about Phuket? Did you know that this, 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 and this? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Well, when was the last time you've been to Phuket? Well, I was in Phuket a couple years ago. How long were you there? I was only there for a week. I was on vacation. Well, did you know that vacation life and permanent life is very different? The thing is, is that, you know, I talk about Phuket a lot because it's a great place to visit, but it's a horrible place to buy. Same with Koh Samui. There's only three places you really want to live in Thailand. One number one place, Bangkok. That's the first place you should buy. Every place else, if you're going to buy one place, it should just be in Bangkok. Every place else, you can just rent. So you can afford just one home, buy in Bangkok. Now, if you can afford two homes and you want to be in a the beach, then you want to be in the closest beach area you can drive to, not where you have to fly to. So that's going to be Pattaya Jom Tien, which is about an hour, an hour and a half away. Or Hua Hin, which is about two hours away. That's it. Those are really the only three places that you want to buy. Chiang Mai is too far away. You have to hop on a plane to do that. And living there full time is just okay. Phuket, Koh Samui, any of the islands, you definitely don't want to live in the islands. It's too freaking boring. Right now, because it's pandemic, here in Bangkok, everything's fine. Everything is open. Business as usual. Nothing is closed. We've been open for months and months and months while United States have been shut down, UK shutting down, Australia goes in and out of shutdown. We're open here in Bangkok. And then when you look at Hua Hin, you look at Pattaya, Jom Tien, because it's so close, a proximity to Bangkok, they're still doing okay. But you look at the islands like Koh Samui, Koh Penang, uh, you know, Phuket, Phi. It's freaking dead. Phuket is barely struggling, barely scraping by. I mean, they're in serious problem. What people don't realize right now is is that you buy a home in Phuket and you go back when it opens, maybe 50 to 70% of some of these little restaurants that you love to go to will never reopen. So what's the point of living there? You have nice beaches all over Thailand. Two, this pandemic has shown too many things. It's really peeled the onion, peeled the banana, really shown you the truth. Bangkok is the best place to live in Thailand. Next two places are the closest two beach areas I just named. Every place else, just rent. And the only place, if you are a multi-home investor, you are a residential investor, the only place you want to have residential properties outside of your own is Bangkok. Right now, all those expats that own one or two other condos and homes for rent, they're not making jack. They haven't made any money in nine months because nobody's there. Same with Koh Samoy. Nobody there. And trying to resell it? Forget it. Not going to happen. No one's buying anything there. But it's different when it comes to hotels because when Thailand reopens, Koh Samui, Phuket are huge destinations because they have gorgeous beaches. So as a hotel operator, it's a great place to be. But as a homeowner, heck no. As a real estate multifamily uh, investor, heck no. 
Same with Chiang Mai. The only place that you want to have investment real estate is Bangkok. That's it. And you don't have to believe me. Google it. Look at the numbers. You don't have to believe me. Come here. Spend a month here. Three months here. You'll see for yourself. I'm sharing with you nine years of experience here in this country. Everything I'm telling you is through my experience. And that is why you appreciate this. And a lot of you have sent me emails really appreciating it and, and saving you the headaches of buying something in Latin America. Because based on my podcast and based on looking in, looking at lifestyle, looking at family, you've realized that Thailand is a better fit for your second home, your future retirement, as opposed to some Latin country. So that's what you're getting when you listen to my podcast, when you listen to my episodes. So I want to thank you so much again for your support, and I'll see you in Thailand.